You're listening to the Make It British podcast. I'm Kate Hills, and I'm on a one-woman mission to save UK manufacturing. In 2008, I gave up my 20-year career as a fashion buyer because I was disillusioned with how much was being sourced overseas, and I set out to uncover some of the amazing businesses that are still making in the UK. Since founding Make It British, I've discovered that there is not only still tons of manufacturing taking place in Britain, but that it's a thriving industry. I invite you to join me each week when I'll be chatting to inspiring British-made brands and UK manufacturers and offering advice to product-based businesses that make in the UK. So with no further ado, let's get on with the show. Welcome to episode number 227 of the Make It British podcast. So I'm really sorry I didn't get a podcast out last week. I've been doing this podcast now since November 2018, I think it is. And aside from when I have a break in various series, so sometimes I finish a series and take a hiatus and I let you know about it. Last week, a podcast should have gone out and it didn't. So I'm really sorry about that. I was actually away over the bank holiday weekend at an event in real life, in person. And the run up to it just meant I had lots of other things going on. And my podcast editor was also going away. There was just a deadline I couldn't hit. So I'm, I apologise if you looked in your podcast player on Friday morning and there was no new Make It British episode. So I'll tell you where I was this weekend, though. I went to David and Claire Hyatt's Makers and Mavericks event on their farm in Cardigan in West Wales. So you may recognise the name David Hyatt because he's also the founder of Hyatt Denim, which is a jeans brand which is made in Wales. And one of the reasons I booked the ticket for the event was because I saw that on the Saturday there was the conference and on the Sunday there was the opportunity to tour the Hyatt Denim factory. So I thought, well, how can I not go? So I booked the ticket ages ago. And then when it came closer to the time, I thought, oh gosh, can I be bothered schlepping five hours to get all the way to West Wales. I've got an electric car and I knew that I didn't quite have the charge in it, even if I was fully charged before I left home, not quite enough to get to Cardigan. So I knew there was going to be a whole load of complexity about stopping off, trying to find a charger. If you've got an electric car, you will understand the issues that sometimes you can have when you're trying to stop off on the services on the motorway. And there are two electric plugs and they're both taken. And the person sitting in their electric car has got another two hours to go till they've got a charge. So it was a long journey. I decided to take the whole family, the two kids, the two dogs, the other half, um, and make a weekend of it. And I am so glad I went. Firstly, because West Wales is such a beautiful part of the world. And I hadn't been there since I was about 12. So it was a very long time ago. And I stopped off on the way to visit one of our Make It British members, Melin Trigwint, who make the most amazing, well, they weave the most amazing blankets and fabrics in their gorgeous mill, which is in West Wales in such an idyllic spot. They've got a cafe there, a visitor centre, a shop. 
And if ever you get the opportunity to go, I highly recommend um, going to visit Melintra Gwint. You can tour around the mill. I took the kids there. It was the first time my son had seen um, weaving taking place. He was totally fascinated. My daughter took loads of photographs, which I'm going to make sure I get on the Make It British website and you'll see on my Instagram. And yeah, so it was it was really good. I'm glad I took my trip to Wales. I really enjoyed the event. It was so good to be at an in-person event again. And those of you that know me and know my journey, um, I used to run a trade show for quite a few years, which sadly had to close because of the pandemic. And we've also in the past, Make It British has run smaller conferences or talks where we have speakers coming to talk about products that are made in the UK and launching their UK made brands. And I wanted to go to partly to check out um, one of the Hyatt's events, which are under their Do Lectures umbrella. So if you are tempted to go to one of their events, have a look on the Do Lectures website and you can see some of the other things they're running. The biggest thing they do is actually called the Do Lectures and it's a three-day event. Now, I missed the opportunity to get a ticket to that, which is why I decided to go to this one-day Makers and Mavericks event. But it was just so good to meet people in real life other business owners, all different sorts of businesses. But it's just amazing who you bump into when you actually get out and about in real life. You hear some really inspiring speakers talking about their businesses. Some of them, not anything to do with making products. There was one guy there who designed record covers and someone else who was a chef. And it was just really inspiring. So it has made me think, maybe I should be putting on another in-person, real-life event at some point. So watch this space. So this week, I've had a lot of conversations with businesses who make in the UK or want to make in the UK who have been in touch with me because they're interested in joining our British Brand Accelerator program. And I've been having a chat to them about what their current challenges are in terms of finding manufacturers in particular. And I've actually heard some really tragic and sad tales. Business owners who want to find a manufacturer to make their products in the UK. Maybe they are an existing business. They want to develop a new product or they're not happy with whoever they're using. Or they're a startup and they are quite naive about how the industry works. So what's ended up happening is they found the wrong manufacturer and it's ended up costing them dearly. So I don't want you to make the same mistake. And I thought I'd run through some of the pitfalls that can potentially happen and how you can ensure that it doesn't happen to you. I mean, the stories that I've heard have included things like waiting six months and they've still not got production or they've shelled out tons of money on endless sampling. They, the manufacturer told them it would just take one sample to get it right. And they've then got about six samples. They've spent thousands of pounds and it, the product is still not right. Probably because the manufacturer just isn't experienced enough in making that sort of product. They said, yes, yes, we can do it. I've seen it before. They promised the world, but actually they don't have the experience. Possibly they aren't that busy and they're desperate for work and they agree to something they can't really do. And you end up paying for them to learn the lesson that they can't actually make it. 
I've also heard from people who have been quoted ridiculously high minimum order quantities and told that their first batch of stock that they're going to have to buy as a startup is going to be tens of thousands of pounds because that is the minimum that they need to meet, which is bonkers, which is just no, shouldn't be buying £25,000 worth of stock if you're working with a UK manufacturer. So a manufacturer is telling you that and saying that is your only option and you're going to have to place that sort of order no matter where you go. Don't believe it and just walk away. I've also heard stories about people who started working with a manufacturer. Quite often it's someone they found on Google, which you should never do. Listen back to my other podcast about why you shouldn't look for manufacturers on Google because they start working with these guys who claim that they're UK manufacturers or an agent for a UK manufacturer. And then it actually turns out that the product, once you get further down the line and you've got your samples made, the production's going to take place overseas. So I've heard that as well. Also, people who are claiming to be manufacturers and actually are agents for manufacturers, they don't own the factory at all. They're just a middleman pitching for business. So definitely be wary of anyone that just contacts you on social media. And then also stories of people going to the very first manufacturer that they find or that contacts them and they don't shop around. And what the outcome of this is, not only am I speaking to some really disheartened people who think that all UK manufacturers are going to be crap and that they're never going to be able to get their product made in the UK because they think that their experience that they've had is representative of all UK manufacturers or all manufacturers, which really just breaks my heart but also that they've spent an absolute fortune. They've blown their entire startup budget just on stock or even not got to the stock stage, let alone been able to save any money to spend on marketing or anything else they need to start their brand because they've listened to the wrong person who didn't have their best interests at heart. So what I want to cover today are my recommendations for what you need to do to make sure you're going to the right manufacturer first time and not the first manufacturer that contacts you or that you contact. So the first thing is to make sure that you do your research wisely and that you go and visit a few manufacturers before you shell out any money or you start working with any of them. I would never give any money to a manufacturer, whether it be to make patterns, samples, or your production, unless you've stepped foot in their factory. Just no, don't do it. Go and visit them. You're in the UK, they're in the UK, hopefully, and if they're not, you'll find out when you go and visit and you can't visit because they're not in the UK. Go and visit them. But go and visit two or three or four. I mean, would you buy a car if you'd not driven it first? Probably not. You're going to be spending a lot of money with these people and hopefully you're not going to be spending that much money with them because you're going to have seen the whites of their eyes and you've been to visit them. You're going to see the workers that are going to make your products. You're going to see the machinery. You're going to see how they keep all their raw materials. You're going to see how organised they are. You're going to understand their business. So you must, must go and visit them and make sure you do your research wisely. You just get that gut instinct. When you walk into a manufacturer, when you meet them and you speak to them, you see how they're treating their workers. You get the idea of whether that is a company that you want to do business with. And I know it's all too tempting in this day and age to do everything online, which actually goes back to the lesson I learned 
from going to the event this weekend. I could have not gone and carried on doing everything on Zoom calls and on social media. You really get to make connections with people when you meet them in real life. So make sure you do that. That's number one. My second point is to try and get a recommendation from someone who has either worked directly with that factory before and been happy with them, or from someone like me who knows other businesses that have worked directly with that factory and who are happy customers. Don't believe Google reviews. My God, I've seen some of the worst manufacturers with the most amazing five-star Google reviews. Do not believe the Google reviews unless they've been left by someone you know, because there's all sorts of tricks that I know some of these dodgy companies play to get those good Google reviews. Asking people to leave a review before they've even made a single item, just off the basis of that first discovery call that they've done with them. Or would you mind leaving us a review for how amazing our service is at answering your emails? Not until you have finally got your production and paid your final bill should you be leaving any of them a review. So don't believe the reviews you see. Get a recommendation from someone you know, another business that you trust, or someone who knows these businesses and these manufacturers inside out like I do. My third point here is do not go to a manufacturer that contacts you out of the blue on social media or just starts following you on social media because I've started following you on social media. And it does happen. I can see there's a pattern of that happening. If a manufacturer is just sitting there following everyone that Kate starts following, if a manufacturer has the time to just sit there on Instagram, following everyone that Kate from Make It British follows in the hope that they might see that they can do a bit of sewing and they might be able to sew your product. Don't believe it. It's not an endorsement from me just because I follow them on social media and now they've followed you because they may not be the right manufacturer that you need for your product at the right time. So, please beware of anyone that follows you on social media. The best manufacturers that I know are too busy to spend lots of time on social media or actually go out pitching for business on social media. The best manufacturers are in their factories making the very best products. So just be wary of social media. Instagram is great for making those initial connections with people, but go and visit them and do your research and go and visit several manufacturers, not just one who contacts you and says, yeah, I can make that for you, no problem, because I've seen that happen and thousands and thousands of pounds wasted. So just please beware. My fourth point to make is once you do find a manufacturer that you think is right for you, you've done your research, you've been to visit a few, you've seen one that you gel with and you want to start working with them, just make sure that you brief them correctly, really clearly, you give them a good tech pack if that's what's needed to get your product made. You've got a really clear brief with them and you agree the outcomes before you start. So for instance, if they're going to make a pattern for you, for your sample or a mould or something like that, agree who owns that pattern before you start. Because if you're going to spend several thousand pounds for them to make a pattern for you, for your product, but you haven't agreed that you own that pattern, and once they've made that sample, you don't want to do your production there for whatever reason. And that shouldn't be because you're taking your production overseas. But maybe by the time they've made your sample, you just got a bad vibe and they weren't the right people for you. 
You want to own that pattern that they've cut for you because you want to be able to take it somewhere else. And if you haven't agreed that with them from the start, then you're going to have real trouble getting it back from them. And you're going to have to pay all over again to get the whole pattern and sample process done somewhere else, which is why a stitch in time saves nine, which is one of my favorite phrases, agreeing these things first and finding the right manufacturer that you think is going to be the one who can see your product development through from sample through to production. Just make sure you've agreed who owns what and who has the IP on what before you start, because it's really difficult to backtrack on that. And if you've spent all this money developing something, you know, if you've got hardware developed for a bag and it needs a mould to make it, and that's a special mould that you've paid for that's designed by you, just agree that you own that mould afterwards. Because a mould for hardware can be really expensive to develop. And if you do need to take that anywhere else, then you want to make sure that you own it. And if you find a manufacturer that won't agree to the terms that you want and the outcome that you want, then just walk away. If you get a bad feeling when you start saying to them, I want to, I'm going to pay for this patent, I want to own it, and they won't agree to that, then I would say go somewhere else. In fact, it's worth asking them these questions before you get to the pattern and sampling stage so you know what the deal's going to be and you don't get disappointed afterwards, especially after you've spent all this money. And my final tip is don't get badgered into buying more production than you think you can actually sell just to get a better price or to meet MOQs from a manufacturer. If they can't do the quantity that you need, then just go to another manufacturer. You shouldn't be told as a small business or a startup that you need to spend 20 or 30,000 pounds on stock just to meet a manufacturer's MOQ. And that's how it's going to be at every manufacturer that you go to. So think again, if you start getting told huge MOQs and you need to buy a huge amount of stock. Now there are exceptions to this rule with certain types of products, particularly things like fabrics. So if you want a bespoke color dyed on a fabric and they quote you a huge minimum order quantity, then that probably is right. Because when it comes to something like dyeing, they've got to fill the drum with a certain quantity of fabric. But this is why you need to ask around and not just see the first manufacturer. So you understand whether it's consistently across the board, every manufacturer is telling you you need to buy hundreds of meters or get hundreds of pieces made, or it's just that manufacturer trying to tell you that you need to buy more than you need. So it totally depends on what your product is and what it is you're trying to develop. And this is why you need to do your research you need to shop around and speak to several manufacturers. And you also need to speak to other people that understand how manufacturing works if you don't, to make sure you don't make these costly mistakes. Now, what do you do if you are at the situation where you've already started going down the line with a manufacturer, you've already spent a lot of money and you don't think that it's going to work out? You've just got that gut feeling. Do you cut your losses or do you carry on sticking your head in the sand and hoping it's going to turn out all right because you've already spent thousands of pounds? Now, in that instance, generally, I would say it's better to go with your gut instinct, walk away now, chalk it up as a mistake because in business, it's how when we make mistakes that we actually learn. And it's sad that that's happened, but it's better to walk away than throw more good money after bad. And just make sure the next time you select a manufacturer, you do it having 
thoroughly researched and making sure that you you pick the manufacturer that's right for you, not the manufacturer that has picked you. And if you are in the situation where you think you've picked the wrong manufacturer, reach out to me. Let's have a chat. Let's see how we might be able to help. You can always email me, kate at makeitbritish.co.uk or drop me a DM on Instagram. Or maybe we'll meet at an event in real life very soon. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I will be back again next Friday. Have a wonderful weekend. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Make It British podcast. I make an episode every Friday, plus there's bonus episodes occasionally. Many of the interviews that you hear on series four of this podcast are also available to watch on our YouTube channel. You can find it by going to youtube.com forward slash LTD. That's Make It British with the letters LTD. Bye bye.